0: former UCLA defensive end Mitchell Agude goes to Miami thoughts and reactions and where the Oregon defensive end position stands right now it's a little bit thin and Oregon basketball the men missed the tournament this year last time they did there are a couple similarities between this team and that team which could be good news for duck fans coming up today on locked on ducks here we go you are locked on ducks Your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster, and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view every day. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks every weekday. Today's episode is brought to you by Stat Hero. Stat Hero is reshaping the way you play fantasy sports. Dozens of house-based games to play daily. No sharks, no funky props. Just your skill versus the lineups you choose. Sign up today at stathero.com/slash locked on. The defensive end position is thin for the Ducks. It is very thin. And I'm especially disappointed that Mitchell Agude decided to go to Miami instead of Oregon. Not because it's Miami, but because of the way the the defensive line is looking right now for the Ducks, which i will get to today. Um, This is part of the reason that I come on here and highlight recruiting victories all the time. They don't always happen. You don't get every guy that you want. You don't always... Get the player who fills the need just the way that that you want him to, because Agude would have stepped in and definitely started right away. I mean, if Oregon's going to come out and actually run a four-three with Dorless and Almavai on the interior of the defensive line, Agude would have been one of the two defensive ends starting. I have no doubts about that. Uh, Mitchell Agude was down to Oregon, Washington, and Miami. He removed Tennessee from that final four. Ducks made the final three, but ultimately not number one. If you ain't first, you're last, as they say. So he chooses the Hurricanes, and the question is what now? What what now for Oregon on the defensive line? What does the pass rush situation look like? It's a little bit grim at the moment. And the talent on this defensive line, definitely on the interior. It's there. You have three of the five highest graded, interior defensive lineman on this roster for Oregon coming off of strong 2021 season. So that's encouraging. That's according to Pro Football Focus, by the way. So you have Dorless number one. Almavai was number two. And Sam Timani, the Washington transfer, number three. So that's the good news. The bad news is you need defensive ends to generate pressure. Those guys can be really good against the run. They can get some pressure. But usually the players who are going to actually end up sacking the quarterback are defensive ends. And this is an Oregon defensive line a season ago that when Kayvon Thibodeau was there, the pressure, I would say, was sufficient. I wouldn't say it was great, but without Kayvon Thibodeau, it was virtually non-existent. And uh, you know, the only defensive end returning on this Oregon roster right now, who had a sack in 2021, is Braden Swinson. He had three. One against Fresno State, one at Ohio State late in the game, and then one at UCLA. And having a sack against Ohio State, that's great and all, but you have to look at the full body of work, and there was basically no pressure even in that game. Ohio State threw for 484 yards in a game that had a secondary for the Ducks that was far more talented and experienced than the one that we will be putting on the field in 2022. That's going to be a problem, and it is a big problem. Big worry for me right now as I look at you know the defense that Dan Lanning and Tosh Lupoy and Matt Palage are going to take over, right? Head coach, defensive coordinator, co-defensive coordinator for those of you who might have forgotten. So the defensive end position right now, you've got Braden Swenson. That's kind of it. <laughs> DJ Johnson is moving to outside linebacker. He's been listed up, at, listed as defensive end. Uh, that's what he was last year. He keeps changing positions and changing numbers as well. Five years with the ducks coming into this year. Uh, this is his fifth season. That is five different numbers, five different positions. So he's kind of, he's kind of the ultimate Swiss army knife. You put him at tight end, you put him at outside linebacker. He's big enough to play inside linebacker if we needed that defensive end. So maybe he switches back and ends up being uh, a defensive end, at least by position, because as you look at the defensive line for Oregon, Brandon Dorless is listed as a defensive end right now as you just go through the 2022 Oregon Spring roster, but he primarily plays inside. That's where he graded very highly season ago. And from a bodybuild perspective and just a play style, he is an interior defensive lineman. He's not a true pass rushing defensive end like a Kayvon Thibodeau or uh Braden Swinson was a season ago or some of the other great uh, or talented. Swenson is not great per se, but hopefully he becomes that this year. That would be a big boost for Oregon if he could do that. But Swinson, a guy was just a three-star recruit out of high school. I'd say he plays like one. You know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. He's on the field. He looks like he belongs, but he's not going to be a game changer. He's not going to be a high-impact player. He'll contribute every now and then, but he's not an anchor piece of, on the defensive line. Now, Almavai and Dorless are those sorts of pieces, but you need at least one on the edge. It's just different, and that impacts more You know how the offense has to scheme to protect the quarterback against the pass rush. You have to chip with a tight end, or you have to chip with a running back that takes a receiver out of a downfield concept in the passing game for an offense when you have a defensive end like Kayvon Thibodeau coming off the edge or Way back in the day, Will Tukawafu or Kenny Rowe, Deion Jordan. I mean, Oregon needs one of those guys. And that's why I wanted Mitchell Agude so much. And unfortunately, he decided to go down and play for the Hurricanes. So uh, Braden Swinson, he, uh, he he might need to pop. He might have to step up in a big way this year if Oregon's defense is going to produce the way that it needs to for the Ducks to get back to the Pac-12 championship game and hopefully win this year. But that's uh, a long ways away right now as you look at the defensive front, because I just think they're really gonna struggle to make pressure. And um, <laughs> Swinson, by the way, is listed as a defensive end. And Dorlis is listed as a defensive end. Nobody else has a DE designation on the Oregon roster right now. So this is a position of need, not just from a talent perspective, but a depth perspective. I just right now, if Oregon lined up to play Georgia, I don't know who the other defensive end would be. Maybe you'd throw Dorless out there, but he's not quick enough to be on the edge. He's much better suited to play in between the tackles. Keon Hudson is a defensive lineman. Christian Williams, Suava Pody, uh, Suava Pody. These are names that might have to switch out and play outside just out of necessity, because I don't know how Oregon's going to create pressure. There are ways that they might. I'll tell you, but first I want to tell you about stat here. I love, March Madness. I love these brackets, but mine got busted in the Sweet 16, the Elite 8, in a big, big way. I can't remember the last time I actually went deep or even won any money. So I'm hedging my bets this year with Stat Heroes, NCAA pick contests stat heroes ncaa single game pick'em's pits pitch the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage start focusing on the players you know best with a gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads long odds or funky props the simple sleek gameplay will have you playing in minutes this is what daily fantasy was meant to be sign up for free right now at stat locked on and use promo code locked on for 100% deposit match. That's dot slash locked on for a 100% deposit match. Yeah, I just don't know right now how <laughs> Oregon's going to consistently get pressure on the quarterback. If you have to blitz in order to create pressure, it's not a great place to be as a defense. Now, landing schematically is very smart. We've seen that at Georgia. Bulldog fans will tell you that. It's a very real thing that Oregon hopefully will be able to take advantage of in 2022 and utilize because personnel, from a personnel perspective, I just don't know. I mean, Noah Sewell had four sacks last year, which is great. And we expect that from our starting middle linebacker, a five-star recruit, future NFL player. But Noah Sewell is not on the defensive line. We're not going to move him to defensive end. He's too good as a middle linebacker. He's probably not big enough to play defensive end. Anyway, though, he could maybe be stand up in a three, four, but it's it's not what he plays. That's not going to happen. So he had four last year. Brandon Dorless had two and a half sacks a season ago. Almavide did not have a sack last year. He's definitely more of a run stopper. He and Dorless both. And I I just don't feel confident in a defense that has to bring extra guys in order to get after the quarterback. That limits the number of players that you've got in coverage. And the, the best defenses when you watch them, Georgia's this past year. You know, great NFL ones over the years, the Ravens, the Seahawks back in the day, some Steelers defenses, the Alabama defenses way back when they just got pressure rushing for when you can do that. It's a huge advantage. And if we're going to have the sort of defense that Dan Lanning wants to bring up to Eugene from Athens, he has to have guys who can get after the quarterback without bringing players from the second level. Doesn't mean you never do that. But in straight up situations or if another team is going tempo, you have to be able to sack their quarterback every now and then without bringing a linebacker or a member of the secondary. So I, I just think that a lot of games could start to look like Ohio State did a season ago. Now, that's a little bit of an exception because they have an elite or had an elite recruiting court. They still do. They have an elite receiving court. C.J. Stroud is a quarterback. He's really accurate, probably a future NFL quarterback. So that's a little bit of anomaly, but even against a team that you want to be, we want to be able to play at that level, right? You can't allow 484 yards. I understand Oregon won the game. It was one of the best wins Oregon's had in the regular season in uh, the last decade or so. It was a huge, huge win, but that formula is not sustainable allowing over 500 yards defensively doesn't matter who you're playing you have to be better and the way you do that is you can't let their quarterback just sit back and pick you apart guys are too good there's too much talent in college football across the country especially when you're playing a team like ohio state so bottom line here for the ducks they have to look into the transfer portal because there's no high-end defensive ends that are coming in this class for oregon maybe anthony jones is a guy who, you know, the three-star out of Liberty High School in Nevada, maybe that's a guy who projects as a joker position, could be a stand-up defensive end, maybe he pops. I mean, that would be really, really helpful right now because Oregon just has no bodies in that position, so I think they need to be looking at the transfer portal, and if a guy comes open who's talented and could slide in to start right away and just fill that position void for a year, I think that could do a lot for the Ducks in 2022. There's a reason that they're going after the Elijah Rushings and Jaden Waynes of the world and the upcoming classes. It's kind of the hallmark of every great defense. You have an elite pass rusher who gets after the quarterback from the defensive end slot. So it's a thin room right now for the Ducks. This would have been a really big help for 2022 because Agude, he's just got a high motor. He's big, he's physical, he's a playmaker gets after the football he forced four fumbles a season ago. He's got great hands. He's got the physical tools. He's a junior college guy. I always kind of like that because they have a certain level uh, of work ethic about them where they have to put in the extra time to grind, and they have to work you know, at that sort of level that everybody else is because they've always had to, and they've always had to prove something. And so I would have liked to have gotten him, but I think Miami ended up getting uh, a pretty – pretty high impact player there for their defense. So Oregon needs to, needs to address that Oregon basketball on the other hand, needs to address cultural, cultural issues. As Dana Altman said in his post-game press conference, after the round two NIT loss to Texas tech. And I started thinking about the last time the ducks missed the tournament, which strangely enough was after Oregon made the final four, that great team. And we won't talk about Chris Boucher's knee and what, might have been in a game where Oregon struggled a little bit on the glass. Having a 6'11 guy who plays in the NBA might have helped, but we're just going to move past it. We're moving on. I move along super well with that sort of stuff, as you know. Yeah, I do not at all. But I started thinking, you know, why did this team miss the tournament? And why did the last team miss the tournament? And I started to notice a bunch of similarities between the two teams. So that 2017-18 roster, for those of you who have probably forgotten, that's what I'm here for, they had a five-star freshman by the name of Troy Brown, who I think we can all agree underwhelmed during his time at Oregon and has had a, at least in my opinion, shocking level of success so far in the NBA. He's still in in the league, I'm pretty sure, but he, he made it. He's had some success here and there. They had a freshman by the name of Kenny Wooten, he turned out to be a pretty good player. They had uh, a sophomore, this 2017-18 Oregon, Oregon basketball team, just so we're all on the same page here. They had a sophomore uh, by the name of Peyton Pritchard. That worked out pretty well. They had Elijah Brown, who was at his third Division I school and was a one-year rental for Dane Altman the Ducks. And they had Paul White. And Paul White was a Georgetown transfer who was in his first of two seasons with the Ducks and took a big leap in production in his second year. And there are a bunch of similarities from that team to this team that could mean very good news for Ducks fans. I'll tell you why after I tell you about Bilt Bar. It's the time of year that most of us have given up on our New Year's resolutions. But if you want to get back to eating healthy, Bilt Bar is the best way to do it. Low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with Bilt Bars. They taste just as good, if not better. And they'll actually fill you up in a productive, positive way for your body. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein. Candy bars, 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs, but they're just as sweet, just as delicious, sometimes even better. I'm not a huge candy bar guy, but I like built bars. Go to built.com, use promo code lock15, get 15% off your order, promo code lock15 for 15% off at built.com. So, what was the same for Oregon basketball in 2017 18 as this year? And both teams missed the NCAA tournament under Dana Altman. Right, He's missed tournament four times. His first two years, he didn't get there as he was building Oregon back up. They won the CBI. They got to the NIT quarterfinals or so, maybe NIT Final Four in his second year. And then it's been tournament, 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 tournament. Missed it in 2017-18. A few more years in the tournament. Would have gotten there. Peyton Pritchard's last year had the tournament not been canceled because of COVID. And then they went back to missing it this year. So The biggest thing that stands out to me when I think back to those rosters and look at the season that Oregon just had when they came up short of some fairly lofty and reasonably so expectations. There was no clear leader or or an alpha. Right. That was a recurring theme this year. When you have a team that plays as inconsistently as Oregon did this season, it's because they don't have a true alpha go to guy in the locker room emotionally, and teams need that. You need that at every level of sports, but it's especially true in college when you're dealing with 18, 19, 20, or 21-year-old kids. Some guys are 23 now because they've had extra years or red shirts or whatever, but bottom line, you're dealing with guys who don't have fully matured brains, according to science. That happens when you're 25. No one in college sports is 25 unless you're playing for BYU. So on that team back in 2017-18, Pritchard was a sophomore, Kenny Wooten was a freshman still trying to kind of find his way. Uh, And he definitely had not become a big emotional leader at that time. And Troy Brown was a decently good player. But I talked about in a recent episode, five-star big-time recruits who have underwhelmed for the Ducks. He was certainly one of them. I mean, he looked like he had all the physical tools, looked like he had the shot to be a 15, 20-point-a-game scorer, And, I mean, he wasn't terrible. But he wasn't great. He wasn't very efficient. He didn't shoot it that well from beyond the arc. And he was also never a big-time vocal leader for that Oregon team. And, you know, they had the two Browns, Elijah and, and Troy Brown, but Elijah took a secondary role to the other guys on the team. And so as a result, there was just kind of a, a gray area in terms of who the go-to guy was because Troy Brown wasn't able to take that sort of leap. And I really don't know how he's gotten better in the NBA than he was in college. But sometimes that happens with guys. They just need NBA-style coaching or being in a longer game. I don't know. But sometimes it happens. And just side note, a lot of people like Chet Holmgren, wanted on the record, not a huge fan. That team back then has what this team has now, right? A couple big men. A couple big men who are young, who are talented, who have room to grow. Then it was one. This year it was two. Now, Enfali Dante's future, up in the air right now, he's got an NBA body, but he's certainly very raw as a pro prospect, particularly at the offensive end. Don't know if he's going to come back. But Kenny Wooten back then was a freshman. You saw the potential. There were glimpses of him playing closer to his ceiling, but he never really fully got there in that first year and then took a big leap next year. Could Kepnong and Dante do that this year for the Ducks? That could be a really good thing because I've talked about over the course of the season is Oregon is at its best when the big men are playing at their best, when they're blocking shots. It's just, it's part of the Dane Altman defense. It's especially important when you run sort of a matchup zone because you can have some switches that at times are disadvantageous for Oregon guards and perimeter players. But if you have a big man sitting behind you who can protect the rim at an elite level, That's a big-time advantage. And Dante and Kepnong showed some really, really nice spurts and sequences this year where they were elite rim protectors. And that was, again, another thing where you think back to that 2017-18 Oregon team, and you think of this 2021-22 Oregon team, it's another similarity there. Maybe they just need another year to grow to be consistently productive, basically game in and game out. Here's Here's the other similarity there. There's a transfer three four kind of hybrid player who seems poised for a big a big leap in production from year one with the Ducks to year two with the Ducks you might not remember Paul White he wasn't the flashiest player at all times with Oregon but he came over from Georgetown he was you know solid and did some nice things his first year but his second year if you remember that team that won the Pac-12 tournament made a run all the way to the Sweet 16 lost to the eventual national champion Cavaliers of Virginia. Paul White hit a lot of big shots. He could step out and hit a three. He was effective in the mid-range. He was a big body, defended pretty well, could get his own shot from time to time. Who does that remind you of on this Oregon team? Quincy Garrier, the number one guy that I want back on the roster from this 2021-22 team as the Ducks look ahead to next, next season is Quincy Garrier. He came on really strong at the end over the last seven or eight games or so. He was averaging 16 a game, shooting it well from beyond the arc, getting his own shot. He's a big athletic presence on the wing i like his game a lot and he played his best basketball at the end of the year and paul white in that sweet 16 run was a really crucial player for the ducks the difference here is when the ducks got to the sweet 16 after missing the ncaa tournament in 2017 18 pritchard turned into a total dog right, going from his sophomore year to his junior year, and he turned into the leader, but then there was a secondary emotional leader, and that was Kenny Wooten. He was the guy who would hype you up. He was the guy who would block a shot, go down, make a dunk, and then all of a sudden, boom, the energy is infectious with this team. Dante's a little bit more quiet, and I think Kepnong has got more of Kenny Wooten's energy, but Dante, probably a little bit more well-rounded player right now. That's why he plays more than Kepnong, who comes off the bench. So those are the things I'll be looking for, but the similarities there, I think Dana Altman can groom a lot of guys into making that second year leap as they did in the 2018-19 season when they had a really good run, didn't play well in the regular season, but eventually they got it together, won the Pac-12 tournament, beat Washington in the championship game, and then upset Wisconsin, beat UC Irvine, and took the eventual national champions down to the wire. I hope that they can do that again. The potential is there. I think the biggest difference is who's going to be that alpha guard. Will it be Will Richardson? We don't know. His future's undecided, but like can subscribe to the channel and or where you're listening to this podcast right now, and I will keep you updated every single weekday here on Locked on Ducks. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks.